Ian, you with me? Absolutely, sir. Happy to be here. <laughs> Reporting for duty. It's Big <laughs> Will, a.k.a. Billionaire. No, I'm just I'm just totally just kidding. No disrespect <laughs> to our Patreon people. Uh, introducing for the first time riding Shotgun as co-host Ian Coney's, um, but not your first time on the show. Welcome back. Yeah, absolutely. Happy that I made it through that, uh, the, the rigorous uh, hazing that you guys put me through last time, but got the call, saw the bat sign, and answered. So here I am. That's right. Respect to you. You made it through our um, 10-level course of hazing, the, the Long Island Black Metal Part 2 episode. People can go back. <laughs> and you even got bonus points for bringing in some some more uh, based recommendations at the end, um, bringing us back to Earth after after that journey. Uh, and, and, you know, I welcome back. Um uh, I, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in too deep over here, man. Uh, I'm, I, I'm in over my head, but enough about me, man. Before we get into all that nonsense, uh, how you been since we last met you, Ian? Been well, been, been well. I know when we spoke last time, I think Tom mentioned that him and I are going to be headed down to Philly for the Decibel Metal and Beer Festival coming up in about like a week and a half now. Actually, it's actually, it's about a week. So looking forward to that. Um, I think I also noted last time that I'm a dad, so uh sometimes getting to certain shows especially ones like that like a two-day festival is few and far between so uh really looking forward to that one um other than that work work shit sleep wake up repeat you know um not much else how about you will what's going on man well a lot there man uh respect to you i'm actually taking a uh, uh not just a friend i'm taking my i'll talk about it later but i know um a close family member who's a father to a five-year-old. I'm stealing him away to go to a metal concert this weekend. I know that's like a special occasion for you guys, man. When you get to get to bounce for a minute, um, and we yeah we talked about the the decibel metal and beer fest in Philly going down. Beautiful event. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy yourself. I can't make it. I, you know, you, people I've talked about it before. I'm on this thing where if I'm not playing shows with my band, I'm probably working. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I got to balance my time off and my work and. The, the day job thing, you know, I, for some reason, gurgling like a frog doesn't pay the bills, man. They never tell you that in elementary <laughs> school. But um, enough of, enough about that, man. I'm in too deep over here. I don't I brought you in on like like it's like training day. You're like you're like it's a dangerous situation here. I made a post on Instagram before. We have beef with the entire borough of Brooklyn, allegedly, on this podcast, or at least the gore grind and gore noise fan base located therein. Um, <laughs> yeah, May 7th is going down at Shaker's Pub in Oakdale, Long Island. Uh, uh, Anal Birth is, is going to be performing, um, uh, one of the exclusive area appearance. And I, I wrote on there, Brooklyn, Brooklyn mad at this one, man. And, um, res respect to everyone out there in, in, in Brooklyn, man. We're going to get this gore noise, uh, conquest going on out there too, man. Eventually, we're going to talk to the good people at all the fine clubs that we deal with and establishments. Shout out to them. Matter of fact, later on, I'm going to tell you about a lot of shows coming up. Not just Brooklyn, but beyond all five boroughs and out here on Long Island and all that sort of thing, man. But I think for a little while, Ian, just because you're the new guy, and it always in the movies it always happens to the new guy with the with the wife and the kid at home, fresh face, ready for job, ready to report. I don't want it to happen to you. Um, like it always happens in the movies, man. And and you get it like uh uh like the first episode of the Shield. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I feel I feel ready, and I feel like it might be my role to end up in a body bag or toe tag. So uh, <laughs> if if that's if that's the end of my my book, you know, I had a short agenda and to do list. So just happy that I can fill a role, you know. To pre uh, I appreciate I, the attitude. I love it. To, <laughs> I, to pre I appreciate 
to to protect your arc on this season of Heavy Hole Podcast, we're going to lay low. We're going to get out of the country a little bit. We're going to go to none other than the United Kingdom across the pond, as they say, and check in with my old friend Patrick Moran uh, of the famed cult Buried Scene. Recording. This is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with none other than Patrick Moran, the scholarly researcher behind Buried Zine, uh, and also um, a member of the band Whitby Bay and the uh, band you're soon going to hear more about, Demoniacal. Did I get all that correct, Patrick? That's right, Will. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us on the Heavy Hole Podcast. Welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast, and thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Um, I, I know you've been very busy with the release of this compendium of the first six volumes of um, Buried Zine lately. Yeah, we it, um, we started distributing it from March 1st. It's a collaboration with a publisher, uh, Ditto Nation. It's the first time I've not self-published it. And then we just did a launch event uh, in London at a, a bookshop called Tender Books this week, which was yeah, it was, it was really good, really fun, and yeah, well attended. Awesome, man. And I want to get into that. I want to get into, like I said, um, behind the scenes, the meat of this. Calling it a zine is kind of underselling it, but it's also underground death metal. So this, the term zine is, an, is a um, term of endearment for a lot of people. So, But before we get into all that sort of thing, man, I'm going to go right back to the beginning. Are you from a musical family? Anyone in your upbringing who steered you into hard rock and heavy metal? And I'm going to throw this in there. Are there any journalists in your family or anyone who kind of works with writing the written, the, the written word or anything of that nature too in your family uh so well I'm, I'm yeah people probably can tell from my accent i'm from the uk i grew up in nottingham which is a, a city in the the middle of the uk that in the midlands um not, my parents they're into music but they're, they're not musicians uh they're kind of boomer generation so it's a lot of bob dylan leonard cohen Joni mitchell uh rolling stones that sort of thing in the house um so they're Music was always around, but um, they weren't they weren't musicians themselves. Uh, so they didn't get me into hard rock. So that was a kind of a, a journey I made by myself. Um, yeah. So. So what was the second half of the question? Sorry. Oh, well, well, I, I usually ask, if I interview a musician, I'll ask them if there were any musicians in their family. Given what you do and the extremely mm. scholarly, journalistic nature of Buried Zine, I want to know if there's any journalists in your family, English professors, writers, I don't know, anything of that nature. All right. Um, well, both my parents were teachers, uh, but I mm -hmm. didn't go and study journalism or English. So I, I studied uh, fine art. So that kind of makes sense in the other half of Buried, as well as the kind of mm. the writing and the research element is obviously the aesthetic of it and the, the the actual craft of the making of it is a really important to the project. So as always, as a kid growing up, I was always really into drawing and art and, and things like that, um, but also into sort of fantasy and science fiction. And, um, I was really into Games Workshop uh warhammer 40,000 yes. that sort of like darker fantasy the sort of gothic um gormenghast those sort of things um 
and then yeah when I went to when I came to university I uh yeah elected to go to art college and those kind of influences though I still wanted to be you know drawing and illustrating and doing that sort of thing and that kind of led on to um starting buried yeah that's an important point because this like I said before this calling it a zine is a little bit of uh underselling it and I just say because it does go into the fine arts the way and I want to get into the way it's bound and it's printed and all that sort of thing because they're all that's that's all a distinction it has against um uh com- when compared to other publications so just tell me a little bit um, you, people who are familiar with Buried Zine and throughout the course of this interview, you're going to realize that you are into the nitty gritty of guttural, brutal death metal, and you like examining how deep it goes, so to speak, in the underground. Um, where you're from, where you grew up, was it easy to go see bands live? Were there record stores? Uh, did you have access to the underground scene, so to speak? And maybe take me through when you realized that there was music that wasn't commercial rock bands and there was this underground network of music. Uh, so I grew up in the suburbs of, of Nottingham. Um, I went and from about the age of like 13, I started to get really interested in sort of heavier music. Again, I think this kind of relates to the kind of interest in science fiction, fancy games workshop, those sort of things. And I remember I, I um, actually borrowed from my local library a copy of Metallica Kill Em All um, when I was like 13. And... Uh, copied that onto a a cassette and that was really my sort of way into that sort of heavier music was Metallica, Pantera, Machine Head, System of a Down and this is like the you know 2000 and 2000, 2001 so like MTV2 was quite big at the time and me and my friends everybody I was kind of hanging out with were in various elements of what we call like alternative culture in the UK, we, we were called Grebs, which is kind of this weird amalgamation of like goth, skater, hippie. It's just all the kind of subcultures, all anything considered alternative, really mashed into one aesthetic. So, you know, we listened to everything from Nirvana to Guns N' Roses to System of a Down to Metallica, Pantera, things like that, Caius. Um, so that was kind of my way into heavier music. And then those, I, Nottingham, a lot of people may know, is the home of Earache Records. And um, so, although I didn't know that at the time, um, but that meant that there was a lot of gigs in Nottingham. So when I was really young, I went to like an Electric Wizard show, I think at like 14 years old. Um, so who else did I see when I was really young? Uh, and They Shall Know Us by the Trail of Dead which is a punk band from, I don't know where they're from in the US, but kind of like super, super aggressive, like saw them at a really, really young age. So that Nottingham, we were really lucky. There was a lot of bands, like touring bands coming through um, and like pub venues or slightly bigger venues. There's um, a lot of people may know Rock City, which is like a sort of bigger venue. Um, we got to see Machine Head there. Then there's like a bigger ice arena. I got to see like Green Day, System of a Down, supported by Dillinger Escape Plan, actually, which I hated at the time. Huh. Now, obviously, really <laughs> changed my opinion on them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. It, and then I had friends who were in bands as well, though I wasn't musical myself at the time. Wasn't um, I wasn't playing an instrument. 
but I was always around kind of people who were in bands and people who were putting on shows and again and those were more like punk or scar or um yeah weird like skate punk all sorts of that that sort of type of music MTV2 music and then um that kind of then developed it I got into like heavier music when I was a little bit older well, extreme music I would say Okay, and um, did you, well, did you ever take a stab at making a zine, maybe something a little bit more simple before Buried, or or was Buried your first attempt at doing something like this? So before Buried, I'd, I was kind of making imagery around metal, so I, I was really into printmaking, and I, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this is at university level, um, I was kind of doing these sort of woodcut prints of sort of black metal musicians the sort of very high contrast imagery of like the early dark throne albums immortal albums i could kind of recreate that and but in this very sort of crafty kind of way which seems to suit the aesthetic and then i did a class with uh, just on book binding just a one-off class and learned Mm. how to do it and i found it you know straight away i was like this is really cool like something i want to do with this um and I've always really liked magazines. I've always been somebody who, well, it, my generation, you know, we still just about remember a time before the internet. So things like Terrorizer magazine in the UK were really formative for me from like the age of 16, 17, Zero Tolerance magazine when I was a, a little bit older. So I was always reading magazines and, you know, that was a way to kind of learn about new music, new bands um, and I knew about zines. I, I owned a few, but I wasn't, I mean, at art school, a lot of people make zines of one form or another, but they're usually very, you know, the traditional zine aesthetic, they're very, very DIY, photocopied, things like that. But I was really into these kind of older printmaking techniques. So I was trying to combine that with my love of heavy metal and find a way to kind of talk about bands or exp- that I was passionate about, but I didn't feel people were interested in or paying attention to and also um a way to kind of talk to these musicians and just find out more about what they were doing or how they were creating thinking about the music because it was you know so mysterious a lot of it um because nobody else was talking to them so that it was all those kind of like um different elements came together to kind of lead me to start making buried but it was really like I'd n- i never kind of planned for it to be a sort of multi like you know i thought i'd just do one and then that would be it but then <laughs> people seem to be really into it and i really enjoyed making it so then i was like okay i'll i'll do a second and then oh we're on to a third and it became like a sort of editorial research project but it was never in, planned to be the kind of um yeah i've been doing it for over 10 years now it was never sort of set up like that just sucked you in man um <laughs> like the underground tends to do man uh, there, okay, there's a lot there, and I just want people to understand, because it's a twofold thing here, the amount of research and the the way you dig into things, it, there's a scholarly nature to it, like you're trying to get a broader picture, um, like vo- in volume seven, for instance, I think it was Colombia and Ecuador, uh, you looked at the very brutal bands from those countries, um, I know you interviewed me a while back, uh, and you ended up doing a radio show 
um, on Buried Radio, which we can get into, where you talked about the history of slam death metal and how a lot of Long Island bands relate to that. So, like, it's not you don't just kind of like pick and choose a dozen bands and in, what are your influences? What's your next album going to be called and called a day? I mean, there's a lot of research that goes into there. Would you credit that to like your um, what you learned in, in college and higher education, just kind of applying that level of study to something you're passionate about? So I never really thought about it that that way, but yeah, I guess it's trying to understand not just, you know, I want to talk to bands, not just about, you know, what the new album is, but the context within which they're working, because that's really interesting. It's like, why does stuff from say Colombia sound so different to stuff from Long mm. Island or, or Indonesia or, you know, somewhere else it's like you, I want to give with it each volume of buried i want to give a, a sort of sense of the scene the the context which this music comes from i think making and even though you know we all kind of like like the same type of music you say it's a kind of unifying thing but it also comes from very very different places and i think that's really interesting to explore and kind of start to understand so yeah as you're saying each volume of buried has concentrated on a different like um scene or different type of of extreme metal so the first the very first issue uh at the time i was very interested in like one man black metal bands and i all the kind of super obscure tape release stuff um the sort of post seven lord uh kind of era of that of black metal and so i went out and was you know interviewing via email um bands from all over the world, but who were, you know, single musicians and it's trying to get an understanding of why they were making music by themselves, often in their bedrooms. Um, and then the next issue, I kind of expanded it into sort of people who were pushing the boundaries of black metal, so more progressive stuff. So even I, I interviewed Liturgy, um, I think either just before or around the time of their first album, stuff like that, which is on like the edges of black metal. Um, and then I kind of had a sort of real change in terms of the music I was most interested in really shifted to death metal, particularly slam. Um, there was a few gigs I went to, which really kind of changed my opinion in terms of like what I thought was the most interesting type of metal. What was, the, what connected most to me. And then I yeah did, uh, uh, buried free is all about, um, brutal death metal from the UK. And then I explored uh southern europe and, and turkey and then i did one on and um was after then uh i did S southeast asia and then japan after then and then colombia which is the latest one that you have yeah um a lot there well, can i ask what were the gigs that you say you went to that kind of changed your your opinion on slam and got you got you into uh that style that style of brutal death metal more uh, I, I mean, I'd always gone to like I, uh, death metal shows. Like I was, you know, really into that music as well. But um, there was a show I remember in London at the the Purple Turtle in Camden, which was like the sort of new wave of British death metal. Um, there was Ingested were there, uh, who had now become, you know, hugely successful and, and very very different band. But they were really were like a brutal death metal band back then um and pork farm who've disappeared and a, a few other sort of younger bands who were 
on the sort of brutal technical slam end of it. And I just thought it was incredibly exciting that these bands are coming from the UK. And it was, um, yeah, that kind of relationship to heaviness, which you get in slam and brutal death, it, it just kind of suddenly really, really connected to me. The kind of like how visceral it is. Um, and yeah, I just became sort of obsessed with it. And, and that was a, a real change in, in the, the sort of diet of metal I was listening to. And then that scene, that kind of world was just not really that well kind of investigated. There weren't pe that many people talking to brutal death metal bands, apart from, you know, the, the very biggest, say like Dying Fetus, um, and, you know, maybe Devourment, but everybody below that, the, the scenes they were in, um, weren't really kind of being uh highlighted and so i thought like well buried would be a great opportunity to to do that and it kind of became a sort of self-reinforcing cycle where i would find something new and then i like you know then i'd want to research it as a fan but also then for buried so you know discovering all the kind of brutal death coming out of indonesia was an amazing period and like um you know the from like 2013 2014 um there was lots of stuff was even more now and then that led to like other you know realizing that Colombia had this very unique sound and this really amazing period of um creating death metal in the early 2000s and you know investigating that for instance yeah um I, if if I'm bold enough, if I'm uh, as as bold as to say this, I think there's a lot of parallels maybe in our motivations. Um, why I would do this podcast and and like you know something you said to the things that interest you as a fan. Um, that's the you know I end up kind of just if I if I don't pursue those things, the podcast would become tedious to me. You know what I mean? It has to be mm -hmm. fun to me to do this type of research and um and you know new bands, old bands I find out for the, about for the first time and and all that sort of thing and um. I think if people go back to the podcast, they'll see like my tastes kind of changing through the years as I, you know, the band, the type of bands I reach out for and the recommendations we give. So I, I just, I can appreciate that sentiment, man. And, um, you have, uh, in the, well, in the advertising, I know throughout, throughout, you know, many editions, there's situations where you're actually the first one to present an English language interview with a lot of these artists. And you've been working with translators, um, I don't know if you want to talk, get into that a little bit and maybe I would imagine that's probably presented you with some, some difficulty and some tedious experiences going back and forth. Uh, yeah, well, working with translators, it is, I think is, I mean, I've, I hugely appreciate the people who've helped me over the years and it's, it's often people within that scene who are like, who I've first who when i've reached out have you know obviously responded in english and then i've worked with them to say like hey i want to talk to this band or that band do you know them could could you help me contact them so people you know start to know a little bit about the project and then they get interested and motivated to help me um, but sometimes it has been friends who have nothing to do with metal <laughs> uh, i have particularly a, a, a close friend in japan who helped me with some of the the Japanese translation, um, who is really not a metal fan, but through just kindness and curiosity, helped me interview people like Viscera Infest. Uh, but she also said it was a great way to kind of learn about an element of Japan that she would never ever 
really come into contact with. So yeah, it, it, it is challenging. Obviously it adds another layer of, um, yeah, of there's the back and forth between me, a translator, then the translator and a band. And sometimes, you know, if one of those is busy or just not that motivated to take the interview forward, it can take weeks or months to, to get something to a stage where I think we have enough to, to publish and buried. But at the same time, I think it's super worth it to do that because I don't want to kind of have it where it's only bands who speak English get interviewed in English. And then that's the kind of limit of it. It feels that if I'm going to try and talk about, you know, metal in Japan or Indonesia, then I should be trying to um, interview people in their um, own languages as much as possible. I, I appreciate that. And that's an obvious limitation that I have here on this podcast. Um, because I've, I've, I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to name anybody, but I've reached out to several artists over the years who've gotten back to me and said, you know, politely enough, um, we don't have a member of the band who's uh, fluent in English enough to, to, to conduct this interview. You know what I mean? And that's an advantage of doing a print print publication as opposed mm-hmm. to a podcast or a radio show right there, man, especially in this underground thing, because I always... I don't want that either. You know, if, you know, my platform or any platform to just kind of showcase uh, only artists who can speak English, you know, in the underground death metal scene, that's ridiculous because it's a worldwide phenomenon, you know, and I mean, we want to expose as many people as possible. So sometimes we get people who kind of guest experts, so to speak, who know a lot about that sort of scene or things like that, man. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a tough balance and it's also tough to like, to to pick where there's so many countries there's so many bands it's like where do you start how do you look like you're not stuck in one region or in one time period you know we try to represent new bands and old bands and all that it's 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 um a lot now let me ask you this because i if i was to make a list of people i wanted to reach out to for an interview i could fill up a whole notebook how (laughs) do you organize your thoughts when you're setting out to do an issue when you're setting out at the very very beginning of your campaign to use a uh, role-playing game uh um, term term uh, term uh, when you're very when you're setting out and you say well Colombia Ecuador this sort of thing um, is there an intense level of organization that goes on uh, and is there like um, uh, I don't know I'm, I'm picturing like all the sticky notes on the wall and that sort of thing I don't know uh, yeah I kind of start I mean it, it's first of all it's just kind of like a, a listening exercise you know it's hopping from one band to another and finding what is interesting and what I personally like or think is unique and trying to get a sense of um, what story you can tell or what what particular dynamics in the scene are really, really interesting. Um, and then from there, it's really taking that kind of um, like just general kind of overview of the scene, which I have just as, as a sort of personal kind of I like this I don't like that or to then going into metal archives and then tracing uh, yeah. histories of bands <laughs> and finding the sort of key individuals like oh this person's played guitar on these with this band this band this band it's like you start to then draw start to see who are the sort of key bands who then disseminated to create several more I I'm, I'm sure you do well, I know from, you know, listening to your interviews that this is yeah. um, a, a similar project for you. And then you, yeah, then you start to get a, a sense of like, oh, okay, who were the real pioneers here? Yeah. Um, like when, when I went to do the um, 
Columbia issue. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Just give me one second. But uh, the brother of um, the drummer from Animals Killing People. Oh um, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Wilson Wilson is the drummer from Wilson. Animals Killing People. Oh yeah. Um, was it David from Purulence? Yeah, yeah. Purulence, yeah. no. like you know, they were really the sort of key bands that, and David particularly, who really started the like the kind of you know the first stone that, that started the ripple of brutal death metal through Colombia and, and so you start to you know work backwards and talk to people and they say oh you should talk to x or talk to y you know as when we spoke about slam um over a year ago that was kind of the, the sort of way i would approach any um any buried project yeah yeah, and um, just just for the listeners, uh, I did interview uh, Wilson um, of Animals Killing People and Andromorphous Rexalia, and he spoke at length about his uh, um, departed brother, may he rest in peace, David, uh, and the effect that Purulent had in in the Colombian metal community. Um, just if people want to know a little bit more about that tidbit, um, uh, yeah, that, that that's what, and that's that that right there. There's so many stories, you know. I don't want to just get vocal techniques and guitar tunings. I want to get the story. I want to get like if there's a family history. We just had the guys from Outer Heaven on. Uh, that was last week's episode, and um, rest in peace. But both both of those guys, Zach and Austin, had lost their fathers, but their fathers were both metalheads. Um, who were very into extreme metal when they were alive. So it was like just getting these behind-the-scenes stories, it humanizes this type of music a lot. And I think that's what I'm... If I'm trying to do anything with this, I'm trying to, like... Um, tr- trying to archive these stories for history, but also trying to humanize this this type of music for people, man, because we are all regular people, you know? Well, there's there's a lot of... There's, there's some people that are kind of exceptional, crazy people <laughs> in the death metal scene too, but a lot of us are regular people. That that brings to mind an interesting note. In all these different people you've communicated with and reached out to and everything, have you ever had any kind of unusual experiences? Somebody who you, you know, I don't know, you put down the headphones or you, you know, you read the email and you're like, I'm dealing with, with kind of a, an extra person here, man. You know what I mean? Like, like there's a lot of extreme people in the metal community. I've interviewed people who've talked about animal sacrifice and people who've been, uh, you know, who've had criminal cases for different things they've done and stuff like that. I don't know if you have any interesting stories you might want to tell. Um, I think, I mean, pretty much every metalhead I speak to is the nicest, most generous person. <laughs> and everybody is usually really happy to be involved in the zine um a few people um they'll kind of start the interview and uh, they and then they might be they'll just suddenly like drop off like which if that happens quite a lot like we might do a few questions or they'll you know they'll agree to a call and then they'll just disappear and I just have to kind of leave it. So I've never, I've never kind of uncovered anything. I, I think the visceral infest guys, actually, they were telling me about, um, which is in the zine uh, where they were posting the kind of, I'm not sure if people, they're like a sort of Japanese girl grind band and um, their artwork is super explicit, kind of like medical, medical photography, the sort of um, carcass-esque uh mexican discord kind of thing of dead fetuses and things like that and they're t- telling a story about like posting these images 
around their town to like promote a gig and then like the police sort of one step behind them sort of taking them down as they were mm. putting them up um so you get little kind of funny anecdotes like that but nothing where I'm okay. like, oh, i can't print this or something like that fair enough man. that's actually pretty interesting man that's that's um that's funny and we've we've discussed the use of real gore imagery several times on on uh, on our podcast and kind of going back and forth with different opinions on it and different takes on it and the history of it so pe- people can can look into that it, it's a controversial subject i myself am kind of torn on it you know there's a few ways to look at it but um so getting into the fine art aspect of this now because it's you know it's not just these in, these interviews there's um you've I'm looking at the um, the, the write up now. Um, this meticulously produced publication also features 19 artists' commissions, including illustrations, fiction essays, uh, fiction essays, VR experiences, sound art, and scripts. Uh, VR experiences. I'm not sure how that's like. How do you tie that into this exactly? Uh, so, uh, yeah, along with the interviewing of bands and. Um, commissioning illustrations to kind of accompany those interviews. Uh, I've always wanted to kind of tie my kind of interests with art, but to to metal as well, but not in a kind of just the pure illustration way, uh, but, you know, just commissioning sort of metal-associated illustrators to create works for Buried. Um, although I have done that a little bit, but... I wanted to kind of push beyond that. And I think there's a lot of kind of artists who are making stuff in, which is thematically very similar to metal, but is not typically associated with the genre. So I always say I'm commissioning art along morbid themes. So it's stuff which has a similarity to the aesthetics or the tone of extreme metal, but comes from a very, very different tradition um, and trying to bring these together. So this is um, sometimes fiction writers, uh, it's been kind of sound artists where again it's it's not metal music but the sound the, the kind of the approach and the kind of effect it's meant to have on the audience is you know not dissimilar to heavy metal or extreme metal um, and then the VR piece so people w- when you buy buried along with the actual book you I attach to the the book ribbon a USB key which contains some of this digital work. So the sound art, the, um, the animation, things like that, they, they exist with, <laughs> with the book as part of the book. And, uh, an artist I've, I worked with previously was starting to move into VR. And so I asked her Tamsin Snow, if we, if I could commission and work with her to include a VR piece as part of buried. And so it's this, it, um, this kind of futuristic mortuary, which you can walk around, you can explore in virtual reality with there's kind of like a sort of death metal soundtrack to it. Um, but it's moving around and just seeing these kind of like harsh, concrete, cold spaces um, where sort of um, autopsies take place in the future. So she's not from a metal background at all, but, um, you know, really liked the kind of pairing of her art making and the kind of aesthetic and approach of buried so we collaborated a few times on on these different projects and this vr experience at the moment um it's available it, with, with buried you can then access it with a 
HTC headset or a Google Cardboard headset, but then soon we'll be launching it on the Meta Quest platform as well. So it'll be accessible um, through QR codes in the Zine and um, on the, the USB as well. All right, that's a lot. We've come a long way from using the <laughs> photocopy machine at work um, to to put up some reviews. I mean, this is, this is as I, the, I hope the listeners now are understanding why I keep saying it's more than a zine. Really, um, there's a lot to this, and um, I want to get into some of the technique now because I'm reading from, like I said, from the copy here, uh, the promo copy. Um, it's. Uh, handbound and laid out akin to a medieval illuminated text. Now, I, I, I can look at. I've, you know, you, you were kind enough to send me a copy um, of of uh, volume seven, and I was, you know, I, I, I can look at this and see. But I, for the listeners, what kind of a process is this? Because this isn't just something you can. This isn't your typical black and white printed printed word you know what i mean um and not all of us have uh had have taken classes in the fine arts and that sort of thing so could you just maybe emphasize how much work and detail goes into the the hand bound and the uh illuminated print the foil stamping and what some of these terms mean to a layman like myself uh okay so the book um the kind of all the fonts and the actual look of it is based on uh, kind of medieval or really also like Victorian reinterpretations of medieval texts. So those kind of, it you know, really sumptuously illustrated um, what we call illuminated texts of, of like copies of the Bible, which were copied out by monks, um, you know, before the printing press. That's the type of aesthetic Buried is based in and what I'm trying to recreate so that all the fonts are, very sort of gothic and pointy and slightly difficult to read um but they they are all legible and unlike a lot of logos of the, the bands but yeah it is all readable um so I, I kind of taken the design kind of principles the the idea of like having lots of like tight narrow columns of text all lined up next to each other so it kind of really has the feel of reading this kind of rarefied object it doesn't shouldn't feel like reading like a, a a sort of a normal magazine or book it it's like a different the text is laid out in a very different slightly denser format um and yeah so i do all that design work on a computer i don't do it by hand it's uh, unfortunately um and then uh yeah i do a lot of the illustration myself or i commission people to illustrate around the the text so pretty much every well yeah every single band has a uh, bespoke illustration or, or or a couple um and then it's all printed using this method uh called risograph which gives it's the single color but it's a very rich colored ink so again it looks very handcrafted and it, it's printed on a thicker paper again so everything has a kind of like a weight and a presence and it, it feels a bit ceremonial to read it hopefully hmm. and then it is uh yeah, it is literally bound by hand. So then all those pages are kind of collated, folded, and then they are stitched together by hand. Um, at a, a, It's done now a studio called Wyvern in London. Um, I, I used to do it all by myself. Uh, I, issues one and two, I did all by hand by myself, like editions of uh, 25 copies of each. But I, I, don't, I don't do it myself anymore, but I work with a binder 
who you know they typically bind um books for props for television and film but they also do um you know somebody has a first edition of like a, a, a dickens or something which they want to be rebound and they'll go to somewhere like wife and bindery um and they really like that i'm trying to do something new and a bit weird with this basically um yeah like 19th century way of making a book and yeah so they help me uh like bind it into these hard cases and the whole point is it yeah it really makes you kind of value the reading experience you know it's not like reading a pdf it's on on a screen or something like that it's not like flicking through something on your phone it's hopefully the care that's gone into each element of it from the interviews to the illustration to the commissioning of the art comes across in the way it's produced so it's kind of like an anti-zine i suppose it's like it's it's not a throwaway thing that's meant to be around for a an afternoon or a minute to talk about a particular yeah like like you're saying like something xeroxed and of a few reviews or something it's it's quite the opposite of that but it's kind of the the aesthetic is meant to reflect the kind of time that goes in and the, the commitment that all the artists and i think also it speaks to the craft of heavy metal as well you know all the bands it's so much time goes into making this music it's so carefully considered it might sound to most people like a complete racket but we all know like how difficult it is to make how difficult it is to make well and i want to kind of reflect that kind of like craftsmanship in buried yeah i i think it comes across and i think you did a very good job just now of kind of laying that out for people um that's one of the points i really wanted to get across in this whole interview was how this is not just your typical uh, zine, nor is it um, like your, uh, as much as I love these books that have been coming out, such as Choosing Death or The Devil's Cradle and so on and so forth, it's not, it's it's neither. It's it's its own, it's its own entity, like you said. Um, now that, that brought a question to my mind, what you just said. Do you, have you found that you, have you discovered peers or contemporaries, not so much in metal, but in people who are putting out these kind of very nuanced, um, uh, detailed, publication are there people that are putting out books with this type of book binding and printing process for maybe another genre of music or another interest or anything else but but you just kind of now now you're part of this scene of like niche publishers or something i don't know that's interesting yeah um no there are artists and people making kind of one-off books very very beautifully um and then i think now you get these kind of more special editions maybe not so much of books but even you know the way uh these kind of big retrospective of important records are made whether you get like a book bound and then like a record and all of this stuff is all made up that's kind of similar i suppose in terms of the actual techniques to make it um but in, similar to buried i've not come across it to be honest yeah, it's a, it's one of a kind. Um, and it just got me thinking, you know, especially because people can go, if I haven't said it already, people can go to Ditto Nation. Uh, Ditto Nation is uh, where they can they can purchase the compendium of uh, volumes one to six that was just released. But they, Ditto Nation also publishes some other books and it, they have they have some other very interesting uh, unusual books. So it just kind of got me thinking that there's there's more out there than um you know you necessarily going to get at your local Barnes and Noble. Uh you know there's there's a whole world out there of independent publishing. Um what 
Now, you said yourself a while ago, you said when you first set out to do this, you didn't expect it to turn into a 10-year, seven-plus volume thing with a reprint, you know, this big compendium you're doing now. What has changed along the way? I know, like me, just in like three or four years of doing this podcast and speaking to so many people, it's completely flipped my whole perspective on music and on death metal and on the scene and everything. I don't know if you want to, maybe you haven't changed at all. Maybe it's just kind of assured your footing. I don't know. But I'd like to get your take on that, on how this whole process has affected you and maybe your perspective on the scene. Um, well, I think just in terms of making berries, it's... I've realized that the amount of elements to making a book or making a zine and the amount of care you can put into it. Like I feel every time I've, I, I make one of these, I want, I then want to do the other another because I've, I've learned so much from the previous one. So, um, and I've, I always can see how it could be better or different or more. So there's been like a real development of, you know, learning about really, and I, I think people will see this in the compendium. Um, my writing and interviewing is much better um, in the later issues than than the early ones. Um, the illustration is, um, I think, uh, yeah, definitely has more care to it. So there's there's a real kind of development in terms of what I can add to each edition, each volume. Um, in terms of how it's changed my perspective on the scene um i think because i've yeah because each scene each volume is really dealt with different parts of the world it's kind of each one feels like its own unique thing um and i each one is like its own like journey of like discovery and exploration and is really exciting um and it always i always think like i've reached the end of this and then i'll i'll find somewhere else or some some place else or another group of musicians i i, I really want to talk to and it it just kind of fuels my passion for for brutal death metal um hmm. yeah it so it's not really changed i would say it's just like it kind of deepens and intensifies my my fandom but also what i want to create with it in terms of the next buried. Mm. Uh, I, I can relate to that, man. I, I appreciate that sentiment. Um, that being said, uh, you know, like we said, there's so much more to buried zine than I think we could really put into this podcast. I just want people to get an idea of the depth and the amount of work that goes into it so they can check it out for themselves. I know you have the um, buried zine big cartel, which, uh, you know, in, in addition to, um, uh, the the buried compendium. You also you put out a split seven inch. I mean, we haven't even gotten to this yet. We, you put out the wormed copremesis split seven inch, which for fans of brutal guttural death metal is a pretty historic um, release. There, copremesis. Obviously, people know that Paulo has been on our program here on the Heavy Hole Podcast several times, and he um, he talked about a lot of this brutal guttural ping death metal for um, for like three episodes. Wormed, I think, should go with no introduction. People know them. To just just maybe give me a little little backstory on that. I know Paulo Paulo kind of like um was uh either hooked you up with me or me up with you, whatever it was when you were looking for the interviews, and that's kind of how we got to know each other. But um uh just tell me about that. Was that your first venture ever into releasing music and putting out a physical uh co copy of um of a record or something like that? I don't know. Uh so I had I had another project which I'm I'm sure we'll get to my 
the band I'm in, Whitby Bay. Um, yes. I had put an album out with them before, which I kind of self-published or kind of associated with Buried. Um, but the Copremesis Worm Split is a collaboration with a, a specialist label in the US, um, so in, in Long Beach, California, called Stay Free, where they just put out uh, seven-inch records, nothing else. And they're not a, they're definitely not a metal label uh but they're always looking for unique and interesting seven inch projects and um john who kind of founded it i i i met him completely unrelated to metal but we kind of shared a love of music and kept kept in touch and when he started this label he said like would you want to do a, a metal a, a buried um seven inch and this was just kind of before COVID, I think, uh, we started the project and I had this idea. I, I, I really like, uh, that, uh, like live death metal recordings. Like I, I love that kind of, that, that really raw, um, unpolished sound, which is becoming less common. I feel like there's, you know, as production moves on what the records bands want to put out, put their name to get slicker and slicker, which is good and great in its own way. But I do miss, you know, the the kind of first releases of different bands. Um, and then it during COVID, it kind of took on another meaning of like, you know, we couldn't go to see any live music. And so I figured putting out live releases of some really legendary bands would be a, a really nice project. Um, but then I wanted to sort of make it as buried as possible. So um, for the... Uh, Copremises side um, I commissioned Toshio Maeda to do the artwork and he's the kind of um, the originator of the kind of tentacle porn manga he's a, a real he, uh, he did an anime called Otsuki Doji um, in the the late 80s which um, yeah just seemed like absolutely the perfect fit for um, Paolo's kind of interested interests and and Copremises. And it turns out he was a huge fan of that manga anyway. Um, and then with the worm side, I um, got the worm guys to do some sort of new artwork in, in their style. Um, so with along with the seven inch, you get this huge um, poster, which has the artwork for, for both bands on it as well. So it's really trying to, again, like, a, like the zine, like give it as much kind of like love and care to the packaging as there is, which goes into the music on it. All right, man. Um, yeah, again, meticulous detail, uh, more than meets the eye. People might see that cover and not realize how deep it goes, given the artist you commissioned and the connection to the band. Um, always something under the surface with with what you're doing. Now, you, you gave me a good segue there. I You know, I apologize. We're this late into the interview, and I'm just bringing up your band, Whitby Bay. Um, but that's because I wanted to really emphasize for people the depth of Buried Zine. But your band, you are the drummer and vocalist, if I got it right. Yeah, yeah. We skipped that part about your your upbringing and your background. How long have you been playing drums? Uh, so I started quite late. Um, it's actually kind of a similar time to starting Buried. So I was maybe 21, 22, something like that. Um and yeah, it was just with friends uh, who were at the same art college as me. Uh, we kind of had this job where we would um, 
were taking down some some of the studio spaces but then we also the other two kind of people who were doing this with me were uh, musicians and they were saying oh we should form a band and use this space that we're currently demolishing as a practice space hmm. so we formed a, a hardcore band called the self underrators which i um yeah i'd never played drums before so it was a real uh like very simple project um but then one of the members who was kind of the one who was most into hardcore he kind of didn't turn up to a practice and then me and the other guy were like i was like well let's do a black metal project as well and so just very rudimentarily started you know playing blast beats and started to figure out you know what that project could be and then i've kind of like learned the drums through playing whitby bay if that makes sense so i've kind of self-taught through trying to create different parts of the music you know different you know oh, okay this should have this type of beat or that or this feel or something and then quite quickly i wanted to sing on it as well so that just kind of became and it also became a bit of an excuse to be like well if i'm singing uh the drums could be simpler so because i'm doing everything <laughs> um but that doesn't last that doesn't hold up too long because yeah it's metal so the drums need to be good um and yeah it's a project we me and a, a very good friend victor who's the guitarist and the main songwriter for whitby bay um have developed over yeah over the last well it must be going on 15 years now um and yeah we've put out one album uh called gothic attack vehicle uh there's a couple of videos we've made for it as well uh back in like 2016 um and then we've just start we did a a, a a couple of shows again post covid uh one in london one in norwich um at the end of last year and we're hopefully going to do some shows in manchester and leeds in may as well so it's start, starting up again okay man and the name whitby bay i know i did a little research i know there's a reference to the original dracula novel with whitby bay is that where you guys are coming from or something else yeah that's it um okay. it's in the bram stoker story it's where dracula's coffin is dragged ashore in into the into the uk god okay man uh interesting band like kind of kind of a blackened death death and black uh a, a vibe um definitely worth checking out for people uh you mentioned gothic attack vehicle is your latest album and before we were rolling you told me about uh demoniacal it is right as a new new project that you're involved in yeah so this something started during lockdown um with a and an, another friend um and it's similar setup it's just guitars and drums um i'm not singing on this one uh richard the is rich is is singing on it um and it's slightly different this is uh i don't know how to describe it yet we're going to have a demo out soon so i think that will um you know it's that point when you start to play with a band and you don't you don't know what it sounds like you just you kind of do it and then you need to kind of record it and like listen to it be like oh okay that this is this is what it sounds like or this is what it sits next to kind of thing so we're a bit too close to it i think at the moment but um yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's good all right fair enough man so i encourage people to check out uh whitby bay and to keep on uh on the lookout for that demoniacal um and to follow buried zine on social media uh maybe for any more news 
Um, beyond that, uh, Patrick, as we wind down, I'm going to ask you for some music recommendations, but is there just anything else um, I may have neglected to bring up uh, or that you want to discuss about Buried Zine or about your bands um, right now? I mean, there's a lot going on. There's a lot with, with the zine and the history of the zine. So, I, you know, I tried to cover as much as I could. Um, no, I think well, with the zine, as you said, we've just put out the compendium of the first um, six volumes, uh, which yes, yeah, like published by Ditto. Um, I'm gonna, well, I have started work on like uh, volume eight as well. So that's um, a project which is in development and we'll be announcing some information about in the future. But it's at the research phase at the moment. But I hope you know maybe towards the end of this year that should get released um but yeah i think we've covered that's all my metal projects i oh we didn't mention i did the radio show um yes for uh through covid for um on a local um station here in london uh but i've kind of paused that for the moment to focus on getting another zine done uh, i think it was really great to do a radio show and i appreciated interviewing people um, in a, a very different format to to the zine, but I realized in terms of the time it takes to do, I was kind of delaying getting the next zine out and I hmm. wanted to kind of focus on that again. Fair enough. I would just say if you... Um... Uh, wanted to 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 do that platform again. Um, you 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 were very you were good, you were good at it, man. You produced some really good episodes of the Buried Zine Radio mm -hmm. Show, and they still hold up even though they're you know a year or two older. So people can go to mixcloud.com. I, I I didn't even download the app. I just went to mixcloud.com off of the link you have on the Buried Zine Big Cartel, and you could search Buried Zine. And I, what do you have like six or seven episodes on there that came up? Um. Really great because what yeah. I enjoyed too, you, there's an episode on the on the slam death metal thing, and you actually like a radio show. You play the songs, so people could put this on when they're whatever they're doing. They're changing the oil on their car, or doing the dishes, or hanging out, or you know whatever. And you you get these songs, but in between each song, you kind of briefly give a little bit of context and history. You also interviewed um a couple of artists. So and and um I, I just think it was a. Uh, uh, you did a really good job, man, and I, I um I want to steer people that way too, just so they that's like a quicker way to maybe get an idea of the insight and the kind of research you put into your product. So um again, people can just go to the uh the buried zine big cartel. You have all the links right there. Um, that being said, uh, one more thing, I you know you recently you told me you did a um kind of a launch party, I guess you could say, for the book at a a bookstore um by you. Just for people in the UK. Who might be listening are there any other events planned uh or any shows that one of your bands might be playing if you want to plug that uh there's no buried events planned at the moment but if anybody is interested in putting on a buried event i'd be really up for putting something together you know either i've never really combined actually having bands and doing this like kind of presenting buried so we could do something where you know basically at the launch um as well as being able to buy the book i brewed my own beer with a, a a good friend of mine which is called the we call it floating head which is the name of a one of my the whitby bay songs um <laughs> so as well as that um it was a, a venue to kind of show some of the the kind of artwork around buried so i covered the um the bookstore in these big kind of poster prints of buried illustrations and buried covers 
And then I had a, a video showreel running of some of the the kind of audio pieces and some of the video work, um, which comes with um, the Berry Compendium. And then I had a, a actress reading um, one of the pieces, one of the pieces of fiction uh, from Buried as well. So it felt like, you know, there was there was no live band, which would obviously be great, but um, it was a good kind of sense of like the kind of content and the uh, the aesthetics of, of, of Buried. Wow. All right, man. Yeah. Again, never taking the never cutting corners. Uh, <laughs> never taking the easy way out. We've been bouncing around the idea of trying to do a heavy hole podcast live event with like maybe a live interview and the artist will perform somehow. But it's you know it's it's tricky because you don't want the energy to, to come up and come down at a live music event. You know, so we're you know I'm, we don't have anything booked as well, but um, we're thinking about that, man. Um, Patrick, thank you so much. I'm going to ask you now, as we wind down, as I typically do, to recommend one older and one newer piece of music for anybody, a demo, an album, metal, any other genre, whatever it is, just something old and something fairly recent for the people. Um, for old, for old, how, what's your old school time? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really have um, strict rules. You know what I mean, man? Because well, well, because also we have younger guests sometimes, and their their old school pick will be like that. That's old already. You know, I don't know, but it, it what a, it's a loose thing just to get two kind of recommendations out of you for people. It's it's all good, man. Um, I suppose for old school for brutal death for me is like the late, very late nineties, early two thousands. So. Um, I don't know if you could played these guys much before, uh, but prophecy. Wow. Um, the, I think the Texas. Yes. I saw them years and years ago in London. Um, and yeah, amazing show. And that, that first album is, uh, I think it's called the beginning. It's really, really good underrated bit of like brutal death kind of proto there's a bit of slam in it i mean they became very slammy later but i think yeah it's a really good album um and can if i can cheat i feel like as a european i should also recommend something european of that era and i think the dutch scene around then was so so good um yes disavowed but uh uh, brutus uh slatch beast is an absolute beast of a record so so good um, it's not as well known as some of those others as severe torture, things like that. You said Brutus and Slash Beast is the name of the album. I think Slash Beast. I mean, I'm not Slash sure Beast. Dutch, but, okay, but that is a really, really good, relentless drumming. Really, really good album. I do notice that, like the Dutch, seem to have like a handle on the brutal type of death metal like earlier on like you know it's like some of those old bands are just you know just as brutal as your suffocation or whoever you want to talk about man um definitely an underrated scene everyone wants to talk about swedish death metal and norwegian black metal but yeah there's certain countries that have an underrated tradition of brutal death metal man and that that prophecy man that i love prophecy man i'm a big fan um i've reached out for an interview once to the main guy james parks i'll reach out again but um the album I I have is foretold, foreseen, uh, oh, from yeah. the late '90s. That it's just such a brilliant combination. It's like dying fetus kind of style slam brutal death metal of the time, but you could tell that there's a very 
uh, thrash, melodic thrash metal caliber of like musicianship. You know, they they throw in some really excellent solos and kind of harmonic parts. It's it's really it's it's a brilliant um, album, and they're still around. They just I want to say Defeated Sanity came to the United States a few months ago, and Prophecy was part of that tour. It only hit the West Coast, so I didn't. It was either Defeated Sanity or Wormed. I think it was Defeated Sanity. And prophecy was able to open up for them on several dates of the tour, but it didn't. It didn't come out out east here, so I didn't get to see it, man. But great, great picks, man. Oh, thank you. And so I'm going to cheat again. Okay, for my new school, do you know Meshem from Turkey? I do not. Uh, enigmatic existential essence. So it's a new standard elite release, but it's not the sort of normal new standard elite sound um it's a bit it's tighter it's more kind of slightly more discordy i would say a bit more death grind it's a phenomenal album i think it's really really good i think it came out two years ago now and it's um one which i don't think got enough praise um and it's a one-man band does everything absolutely brilliantly and um again might be butchering the name uh pools of green fire which came out last year is like a new a, a new york bass band um with i think it's one of the guys from yellow eyes it's a really weird sound of death metal album but it's brutal oh. death metal album really really good could you spell the band name for me u-r-s-h-i-o-l Okay, man. Look, worth looking up. Yeah, Yellow Eyes, uh, those guys are always doing something kind of interesting, man. Um, I should reach out. Well, Patrick, I thank you so much, um, not only for those recommendations, for your, your in-depth talk about um, all the hard work that goes into Buried Zine. Uh, we wish you the best of luck as that um, as that compendium uh, 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 inches forward to selling out. Um, you know, it, it is a limited edition. People should know that. So act fast. Uh, don't wait for don't wait for your Christmas list or something like that. Um, and we wish you the best of luck going forward into Volume Eight. Is there anything? Do you want to give us any teasers, or do you want to keep a totally locked up secret about Volume Eight? Um, I'll just put it out there because it might get people to contact me and. Um, but the the conversation that we had and the kind of radio show around doing a kind of history of slam mm. um, is something I really want to now tackle as a as a book. I, I think it would. I kind of did that, you know, brief kind of teaser radio show, which was interesting, but was kind of like a, a very much an intro. Um, but I would really like to um, and yeah, do like a deep dive on what was happening in Long Island. But I think it goes, yeah, the, there is a a broader US international kind of element to it oh, as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, that if if I can, it's harder to do because I think a lot of the bands have broken up or people just aren't interested in the scene anymore. Um, but yeah, I think that would be a good uh, next step for Barry to kind of do, do something um, which... Is, is not just kind of documenting a, a, a well, I kind of started to do it with the Columbia um, volume, which was really talking mainly about the early 2000s. So I think it'd be nice to do that again, um, but on a, a scene which obviously has a, a huge impact. 
Well, you know how I feel about that, man. That's great to hear. Uh, very excited to eventually see that, man. Um, and, uh, you know, again, if we at the Heavy Hole can be of any uh, help or our listeners can, man, um, feel free to reach out, uh, you, know, you know, in terms of research or anything like that. But you, you do pretty good on your own there, Patrick. So uh, I, <laughs> I won't be holding my breath. But um, thank you very much for your time. Uh, again, people, check out Buried Zine, check out uh, Whitby Bay, and keep your eyes peered for Demoniacal, uh, your new project. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Patrick. Any any parting words for fans of your work and listeners of our show? Well, I just want to say a big thank you to you, Will. Like, I'm, you know, I listen to the Heavy Hole podcast and, um, yeah, really appreciate being able to talk about my work and, and what I've done um, on it and um, share my ideas about, and well, most importantly, share my recommendations. Like that was the the part of this I was really looking forward to. So thanks again. I mean, you do this, um, you know, you talk about me being industrious. Like I think what you do with this podcast, putting them out week out, week after week, it's a, I know how much work that is. And, you know, your passion for the scene is so, so big and so strong. And I, I really do appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you for the compliment, man. It's a mutual respect. And um, I, I can never take full credit, man. We have a big production team uh, here at Heavy Hole Podcast that helps me helps me do it. So I appreciate it, man. Um, Patrick, thank you for your time, brother. We'll, we'll be in touch in the future, and uh, we'll let the listeners know when, when Issue 8 comes out. Thanks a lot. Uh, thank you, Tom, for bringing us back in, sir. Shout out to Patrick Moran uh, from Buried Zine. I appreciate all of that man's insight into the hard work he does. As I said, calling it a zine is something of a misnomer. There's a lot of handcrafted work that goes into this publication. Um, Ian, you still with me there, bud? Absolutely. Uh, co-host Ian Coney's. Yeah, we, we had to lay low. We're back from the United Kingdom. Um, I'm paying homage to the borough of Brooklyn, New York. Now I'm wearing a Biggie Smalls tattoo on my neck that I got during that interview. Uh, luckily, Pat, you know, Patrick <laughs> didn't mind. We Tom shout to Tom on the audio editing, editing that out. Um, uh, but no, look, all kidding aside now, uh, moving, moving back towards the States. Now we have, um, we're kind of going international back and forth, crisscross across the waters here, but. Uh, I understand you brought us a stateside recommendation for this evening, something new. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I what I geared up for today was uh, Hot Graves. That's the artist. They're based out of uh, Gainesville, Florida. The album that they just put out is called Plague Wielder. Um, this one dropped the 31st of March of this year. Um, came out via Gurgling Gore. Uh, that's actually how I found it. Um, just subscribing to Gurgling Gore on Bandcamp. Got pushed out like an email saying that, that this one came out. Saw it had interesting art and clicked. Um, it's their third album, and it's the follow-up from 2015's Magnificent Death and 2011's Nights in White Phosphorus. Um, between 2008 and like now, it looks like the band's had about five or ten demos, EP splits, apart from these three full-length releases. Um, and what I had noted in listening to some of those more original releases are that the demos uh, and where they entered the space felt a little bit more like D-beat influence, kind of had a little bit of like an, uh, 
early hardcore influence to it. Uh, I saw some write up somewhere that mentioned this as like black and thrash. And that's what I thought it might be when I listened to like a second of a track after listening more. I don't really feel too much thrash in here. It's very groovy. Um, it's also like the production on it and, and the writing overall feels really cleaned up versus some of those earlier demos that I said had a little bit more of that D beat influence. Uh, so it's a little bit more polished. Um, I, I also saw for fans of like, uh, toxic Holocaust. I don't really see that too much because it's a little, it's a little too groovy and a little bit too clean. I don't really see this as like a, as a Joel grind, um, uh, you know, piece here in my opinion. Um, and then the last few notes, some experimentation, uh, more so than on some of their earlier demos. They have like a synth intro for the infinite glimmering chasm, which is the second track. Um, and it's also got some longer songs. A lot of their demos used to hang out in that like two minute space. And they have a track on here that sits between like five and six minutes and one that's over four minutes. So um, they're, you know, they played with brevity in the past. They're kind of expanding a little bit here. I also believe that I saw that this might be the last album for the band because there are members that are in a few different acts. And uh, we were we were actually just talking about that a moment ago. Um, they, they got somebody in the mix here who is a part of uh, Warflush. Um, uh, for fans of like Worm, they're more Death Doom stuff. Uh, and I know that you've also uh, uh, talked to some some peeps in the past there. Uh, and last, last thing on my end is that there are two tracks that feature uh, uh, Trevor from Black Dahlia, the late Trevor. So um, he's on Throne of the Morning Star and Plague Wielder, um, the title track. Um, so that's everything for this one. If you're into something a little bit more like Thrash Infused, Death, Hardcore, maybe a tiny bit of black in there. Um, check it out. Awesome, man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this was um, kind of like on my to-do list, and you bumped it up by way of recommending it for the show. I appreciate that uh, because, yeah, Mike Colby, uh, former guest of the show, and I had him. We kind of did, did discuss this band, but um, obviously much uh, prior to this being released. Um, and we, we discussed, I believe that interview was more in the context of Warflurch. Uh, his band that a lot of listeners of this show might be familiar with by now, uh, Gurgling Gore. We had did a whole episode with Big Daddy Gore of Gurgling Gore Records, a label that I follow. Um, uh, people should check that out. He's got some cool. I, I just saw it today on social media. He's reissuing the old school death metal band Equinox's uh, old material. Oh, wow. Um, that's in the next I projects he's taking on. Yeah. And he's always got interest. He's got cool stuff in and out of the distro. It pops up and then it's gone. Uh, you got to watch him. He's got a little boutique distro thing going to him, man. A, a gurgling gore records. So, um, but getting back to the, to this hot graves. Yeah. Uh, again, not necessarily something that is, uh, that I, that, uh, like if you described it, I would always like kind of be listening to this, a newer take on this old school death thrash. It has some updated death metal parts. Um, but I do, it's really catchy. It's got some really cool, I, I, you mentioned the synth part. I noticed that there's some more like melodic, expansive, uh, even experimental parts to this. It's a good listen. Um, and it's a complicated listen. You can't, you know, you, you really have to give it some time, good driving music, maybe good background music for the first listen. And then you really get into it and absorb all the parts, something like that. It's complicated. It's, it's, it's not a quick death metal demo or anything like that. And I, again, I understand there's oh, there's more musicians involved than just Mike, but I appreciate that it's kind of out of the same camp. Um, 
it's just fun fun for me when uh an artist has like a, a different band that's a whole different take on the extreme metal sound and this certainly is it sounds like these guys are real fans of old school uh thrash maybe your german thrash and more traditional bay area thrash they're obviously death metal dudes with chops and they're just mixing everything up you know it's not necessarily riff salad but they're it's like I said, the way I would describe it is they're, they're death metal dudes playing old school death thrash with a couple of modern twists on it, man. Um, and, and, it, and it grows on you because like I said, it's, it's, it, there's a lot to it. It's not simple. It's not stripped down. I wouldn't describe it as any of those things. It's, um, uh, there's, there's, there's levels to this shit. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely appreciate this, man. This was a cool recommendation and shout out to Mike. People can go back and listen to our interview with Mike and our interview with Big Daddy Gore from Gurgling Gore Records. Um, support both of those guys. Uh, any last thoughts before we go into it? No, no, let's let it rip. All right. Tom, uh, Tom, check this out yourself, man. Uh, hot, what was the name of it? Hot Graves and it, what's the album? Hot. Hot Graves Plague Wielder is the album. Hot Graves Plague Wielder on Gurgling Gore Records. Thanks, Tom. I just mentioned uh, Simple and Stripped Down, um, which is a little bit more in line with the band that I recommended. I don't think the band would disagree with this. I'm bringing to the table a young band named Guts from Turku, Finland, with their debut debut full-length Decay, uh, released in 2023. This is a young band with their first release. I don't want to say too much. Ian, I want to get your kind of like raw reaction off the bat to this. It is a Simple and Stripped Down release. Um... I will say it might not be for all of our listeners, uh, and I'm going to explain exactly why I brought it to the table. But I'll leave it there, man. What what did you? What was your like raw reaction on this? Yeah, no, I actually liked it a lot. Um, it's funny because when uh, I think like my dumb New York brain, when I see Finland, I automatically am just like, all right, cool. So this is going to be like demo leech. This is I'm going to listen to some convulse here, right? And then like almost instantaneously realized like this is I, I I wouldn't call it death doom but like it's definitely got like a little bit of a of a slow roll on the tempo here and it's I I don't want to say it's knuckle draggy or dumbed down quote unquote I don't think it has that like trendiness of that type of old school death metal that's really hot right now in the younger death metal scenes probably like midwest and and you know southwest in the US nowadays um, it feels very European. I think it's like distance itself across the pond there, but, uh, it does, it does have this kind of like, Hey, we don't need to show you how much we know element to it. Um, they're just playing. I think they're playing for themselves. And I got, I got a kick out of that. Uh, I, even some of the groovier parts, I feel like they were willing to take some chances on, on things like that. Um, and not just like toe the company line on just staying like real mean all the time. Uh, like that song manhunt i think it's the third one in like that one had, had a decent like group to it it wasn't it wasn't too scary you know it was approachable so uh i i enjoyed it actually top to bottom 
Yeah. Um. Exa- again, this is not my normal recommendation. Um. May not be for everyone, but here's why I brought it in. It's it's catchy, groovy death metal. Um. And it has some of the simple kind of oompa loompa charm of Eastern European grindcore and gore grind, even, but not like not in this amateurish way, so to speak. It's like traditional in a metal way, not necessarily reinventing the wheel, but doing it well. Um, and the shredding lead parts and kind of well-chosen guitar solos, uh, that they do very well to distinguish it from like a lesser experienced or a lesser produced band who tries similar stripped down approach. I'll give them that. It gives them a little personality. And, um, I kind of hate to say this cause I don't, I don't want, I don't want people to like, I don't want to compare them to the wrong thing. I'm saying this as praise. It's almost like they're taking this, the old school six feet under approach and doing it better or doing it in a way that would actually be palatable to me. Like I would probably, I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to listen to this album all the time. I'm not sure that this has a lot of staying power with me, but I would like to see this band live. Uh, this would probably be fun at a show or in a festival setting if they were a really good live band. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing them develop their sound, too, man, if they put out a- another few albums and all that sort of thing, man. But this is a fun album. It's like it's almost like ZZ Top ish in a way like the riffs aren't technical. The riffs aren't mind blowing. But they they obviously like they, they they put them right up front and they take a lot of pride in them and they just like they kind of it's almost like they're trying to do a big riff rock thing, but with dark American style roots death metal. I mean, if that makes sense. And for listeners of the show, they nothing about this should be something I like or recommend. But it just I don't know. Also, their logo is amazing. I love this. I love asymmetrical kind of creepy death metal logos like this. It's so simple. Um, the artwork has this kind of dark, dreary painting uh, that would that would almost imply it's more traditional what people would think of as Finnish death metal. Um, but yeah, the newer generation of people, the newer generation, I think aren't as concerned with regional, uh, uh, generalizations and stereotypes and even traditions in terms of their sound, the newer generation, you know, unless, unless that's what they're specifically going for, man. And I I don't know, like something about this strikes me as like big riff rock kind of mentality, but like with, with death, with, I don't know, man, like all I'm going to say is like, this is six feet under like this is a six feet under album kind of taken up a notch or something, maybe, I, you know, but I'll, I'll leave it there. And I also brought this in because I would recommend this again, not in a deprecating way. I recommend this respectfully for people who are fans of maybe your frozen soul, your um gate, uh, great gate creeper, um, your, your bands out there. There's a lot of like, cause, cause as you said, it's not necessarily that it's not the chunky, like I've seen the the quote GED death metal thing, and you know it's it's not the caveman death metal thing that's been big the last few years over here, but it does have some semblance of that. And my it's catchy, it's kind of just stomping. I could see it just going over real energetic live, and it's 
not necessarily for people of my generation. It's a younger crowd and this is what they're doing. So I, I'm putting it out there for um, maybe people that are coming at this from a more rock or hardcore mindset mentality getting into death metal, as are a lot of younger people the last few years, and maybe people who are fans of the more catchy, quote unquote, arena death metal, arena rock death metal that's out there. Um, any final thoughts, Ian? I, I think they would take it as a compliment, the six feet reference. I think like, you know what I mean? I think they would hear that and they'd be like, awesome. That's, that's what we're going for. So, uh, no, I, I dug it. So, yeah, this is like really good. If you're working in the garage or the wood shop on something like I could see Justin in the wood shop or just working on something for his Jeep kind of rock out to this stuff you know what this I mean? is this is getting underneath the jeep music yeah, yeah. i agree it's, it's i haven't even listened to this album with a few beers in me that's probably a whole different <laughs> situation too yeah it's it's got energy it's fourth of, I, this is like fourth of july death metal even though it's from finland let me stop there uh guts <laughs> guts from uh, they got guts guts from finland with their album decay uh their first full-length album give it a shot man but when you're in a good mood don't be an elitist. <laughs> uh, Tom, Tom, bring that in, please, sir. Speaking of elitists, um, we made it th- this far, Ian. Uh, I, a big shout to Brooklyn and, and all the boroughs uh, and all the rest of Long Island. Um, it's true. We are having a sick cult underground show out here. <laughs> this motherfucker. I'm not going to call him out by name, but somebody somebody wrote back on the Instagram thing. He was like, <laughs> he was like what's Brooklyn going to do to respond? Like, Because it's East Long Island, bro. I, like, We know, man, how many underground cult shows we get. But I am going to um, uh, plug a few upcoming shows before we get out of here real, real quick, man. There's some good ones coming up. And the one in question that has caused all this um, alleged beef, not really, um, Black Earth Records presents the return of the innovators of Gore Noise. Long Island Zone, Huntington Station Zone, Anal Birth, uh, will be appearing alongside uh, Mephitic Corpse from California and Necropsy Odor from California and Long Island Zone Bowel Erosion, Sunday, May the 7th at Shaker's Pub at 7 p.m. That's in Oakdale, New York. Sunday, May the 7th, uh, Shaker's Pub, 7 p.m. That's uh, the return of Anal Birth. Um, This is first Suffolk County show for Anal Birth, uh, second Long Island show. I think we might be a third show overall since the, the big return, man. Um, so this is going to be a big gore grind, gore noise show, man. Um, shout out to uh, Miasmatic Necrosis um, and uh, uh, Orthopedic Cranial Encavement and all the other gore grind people holding it down uh, out west, west of the Nassau County border um out there uh we, we've come this far man and now i also want to get around to um we haven't done this in a while but you know i got you you're a learned man of metal um every once in a while we peruse the nyc metal scene um archive of what's coming up soon uh shout out to all the other co-hosts by the way ian you're you're your esteemed colleagues now too welcome to the team um rick and Terrell and uh, Dave Gladding and um, uh, Sam Sherrick. We're going to have uh, everybody rotating. And, of course, the original team of Tom and Justin always working hard behind the scenes, even if you don't hear them. 
um, the elite squad, man, uh, that you now belong to. So, so with no further ado, uh, if if you're hearing this in time, um, you should be hearing this episode April the seventh. Uh, in, in which case, you still have time to go see Anvil at the Crossroads in Gaswood, New Jersey, and drop everything you're doing, hire a babysitter, and go see Anvil. Okay. There, yeah, kids can figure out dinner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, looking through. Well, you know what? Even better. It's Saturday, April the eighth. They're going to be at the old St. Vitus Bar. Our friends out there in Brooklyn, New York. Anvil. Go watch the documentary, man. You're going to want to go and buy merch. Um, I'm not going to be able to make it because Saturday, the April the eighth, Queens Rikes right here in Huntington. Did you know that? I did not know that. I'm, I'm actually seeing it right now. Um, yeah. That's that's pretty sweet. No, I did not know they're coming. They're going to be at the Paramount or. Uh yes, and not even the Jeff Tate version, so it's not even going to be like creepy. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man, it's all good. Oh, I um, awesome. yeah, I'm stealing my cousin away, man. Shout out to my cousin. Um, love love my nephew, but he's going to be on his own, just, uh, stealing daddy away to go see Queensrÿche, man. That <laughs> night, man, it's gonna it's gonna be just like the cats in the cradle and the silver. What was it? Queensrÿche had a song that was yeah. kind of a rip off of that, but <laughs> <laughs> it was in the off years. Um, Queens Rack's also going to be at Irving Plaza in Manhattan, New York, Monday, April the 10th. Take off of work Tuesday for that one, tough guy. It's going to be a party. Tuesday, April the 11th, 2003. Morbid Angel Revocation, Vitriol, and Crypta at Gramercy Theater in Manhattan, New York City. Might want to check on social media about that show. I'm not sure how that tour ended up, Ian. Are you? Because that's, yeah. I'm sure you saw the news. Yeah, that, that was heavy. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, close to home there because I saw that, um, after the end, just I guess a little backfilling. I don't want to take any wind out of the cell there, Will, if you were about to. But um, no, uh, in, uh, that that tour right now in uh, Illinois uh, at the Apollo Theater had a roof collapse during a tornado. Um, I believe the figure I saw, and I don't want to mis miscommunicate anything, was like near 30 people injured somewhere in that mix. And there was uh, uh, a fellow concert goer there that had passed away. He was a father of three. I know that, uh, mm -hmm. that that gentleman has a GoFundMe live right now. Um, so if you're interested in paying back to the community, that's something you could take a look at. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm unsure as well because I I was interested in that that tour um, coming through, uh, but I don't know the status. Okay, yeah, I um, you know, I I I didn't know how to address that necessarily on the show. I wanted to be obviously respectful. That just happened, I th I think two or three days ago. Um, I'm trying to look up right now. If we could find that specific GoFundMe and talk about it, so at least give it a little bit of, of airtime here while we go along here. Yeah, I can I can take a peek as well. Um, is it is it Dylan Crone? Dylan well, Dylan Crone is I guess he survived. He's a survivor. Um, that is look that has medical uh, concerns. I, um, I can get it in one moment. I know uh, that I have it somewhere. I I do have it here. Uh, rest in peace to our fellow concert goer Fred Livingston Jr who was attending the concert with his son and lost his life in the roof collapse. Um, uh, very, very, very difficult, obviously, to address and to talk about. We just want to be respectful here. Um, but, you know, I, I want to say you can go to a, a GoFundMe for Fred Livingston Jr. Um, says It says Brittany Mills is organizing this fundraiser on behalf of Deanna Livingston Hicks, if you want to go and make sure you're on the right one there. And all the information is right there. Um, cause the least we can do is at least call that out and support that and, and, and make our listeners aware of that. Um, there's also, uh, on, I'm getting this from the PRP.com. 
Uh, the PRP.com news section has an article, GoFundMe campaigns launched for more victims of this past weekend's tornado-related venue collapse at the Morbid Angel Show. So the PRP.com um, is the website I'm reading this off of, and that has an extensive list of GoFundMe campaigns related because, um, of course, rest in peace to that gentleman who lost his life. And unfortunately, as the story unfolds here, I'm reading there's people who who who... Uh, are still alive, but have suffered extensive injuries um, as a result of that. So people can go to uh, that that uh, that website and check that out for themselves if they want to support. Um, if they and if they want to get get more information on that man, um, that was a terrible scene. I'm sure we all uh, eventually saw that on social media and where we follow news over the weekend. Um, that, that that's and it makes you obviously it's a concern when you go to concerts. You know, safety. Uh, you know, yourself. You know, whatever the venue is. So it makes you think twice now, man. Um, but you know, how could you? You know, something like something like that. That's a natural disaster. Um. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, too, um, you know, I think a lot of metal fans are older. Yeah, you sort of settle down. It shows if you used to be rowdy in the mix, you might not be that guy anymore. Um, but this is a situation where it wasn't anything like that. You hear of other unfortunate incidences where people get into some kind of physical altercation at a show. This is not like that at all. You know, you're you're standing somewhere and wrong place, wrong time. And there's literally nothing that uh, can stop that. So uh, definitely a tremendous tragedy. Um, but as, as well noted, there's some GoFundMe's out there. Uh, you could show some love for the community. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what more can you say there? But obviously very, very tragic. Exactly, man. So we encourage you to go to that website to check that out, um, yourself and to, to support. Um, and speaking of support, as we, uh, as we move forward now, we're going to continue to talk about some of the upcoming shows in the area. Um, and as I said before, all kidding aside, man, um, we support Brooklyn and Queens and Manhattan, New Jersey, uh, and the entire world. Death metal and underground music is a global phenomenon. So we're going to keep going with, uh, uh, NYC metal scene. Uh, com is the website where you can find more information on these shows that we're talking about. Um, but Thursday, April the 13th, uh, is a busy night in New York City for sure. This is, this kind of speaks to how metal is doing in New York City. Thursday, April the 13th, you have, Jesus, is this, is this right? Yeah. The chaos and carnage thing which is Dying Fetus, Suicide Silence, Born of Osiris, Aborted, Sanguasugabag, Crown Magnetar, and Slay Squad at the Palladium Times Square in New York City. All right, so right there you got Dying Fetus, Aborted, and Sanguasugabag with a bunch of bits. Uh Thursday, April the 13th, same day, I Hate God, Goat Whore at the Brooklyn Monarch in Brooklyn, New York. Same day. Thursday, April 13th, Carcass Municipal Waste, Sacred Reich, Creeping Death at Irving Plaza, New York. So at the same time, in different places, you have Carcass playing with Municipal Waste. Then you have I Hate God and Goat Whore in Brooklyn. And then you also have the Dying Fetus and, and Aborted and Say. That's kind of, and like all of these are probably going to be well attended. I can't picture any of these shows not being well attended. No, I would think I would think the same. I actually because I'm on the site as well right now. It says Worm the same night at Vitus, um, like you know some some funeral doom there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a that's a busy night. You're gonna wish you could be in two places as one at once that day. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring that up too. I just saw that too, man. And that show oh, is apologies. from what I understand. 
Um, what I hear on the street is that attendance is doing is that tickets are doing well for that. So if people are interested in it, seeing Worm, so that's like four shows and on like different levels of the metal scene on a on a Thursday, man. Um, uh, so shout to I didn't I didn't mean to get this far gushing on, into New York City. I'm off of that bit now. This is just like <laughs> a, I'm genuinely surprised as I go through NYC metal scene. Um. People can go back a few episodes ago and check out my interview with upcoming Texas brutalitarian death metal band Scrap Pile, um, who are going to be right here uh, at the Lucky 13 Saloon in Brooklyn Friday, April the 14th with Immortal Suffering, The Crippler, and Torturous Inception. Torturous Inception and more and Immortal Suffering, both bands that have had multiple members and multiple episodes on this podcast. So if you want to... Go to a show Friday, April 14th, um, 2023 at the Lucky 13 Saloon. You can listen to like five episodes of Heavy Hole Podcast of people that are going to be there. Um, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Sayerville, New Jersey, the Starland Ballroom is getting that Chaos and Carnage 2023 tour uh, April the 14th, Friday. Um, St. Vitus is getting Exumer, Overdose, and Malleus Friday, April the 14th. You familiar with any of those bands? That's an older crowd, right? Which one was that again? Ex, not ex humor, ex humor. Oh, ex humor is yeah. actually the only of only of the three there that I do recognize. Um, to be honest, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm I'm younger, so uh, <laughs> bef- before my time for sure. Yeah, okay, fair enough, man. Um, well, they're competing with Friday, April the 14th at Dingbats in Clifton, New Jersey, Head PE and Crazy Town. I don't know if you're too young to remember that. Yeah, too young there. Wait, cra- crazy Town. That's an amazing, just like, yeah, we're giving you Crazy Town. That's all you're going to get from us. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, it doesn't matter because we know where you're going to be. The, fr- the, the the Decibel Metal and Beer Fest, uh, Friday, uh, April 14th. And I imagine that goes through Sunday, right? This The um, the 16th? It's uh, It goes to the 15th. I think it's a two-day. Um, okay. So it's the the 14th and the 15th there. And that's obviously the Black Dahlia murder. Gore, you're wearing the shirt. Um, uh, <laughs> Gore Guts, I Hate God, Frozen Soul, Mismore, Unearth, uh, Phobophilic, a great band. Uh, we interviewed Vinny the Drummer. I really enjoy Phobophilic's latest album. Uh, Worm is going to be there. That's going to be a beautiful event. Um, shout out to everybody going there. Uh, I'm not hating just because I can't go. Um, <laughs> let, let's see what else we got here. The... Uh, Mm-hmm. The Black Dahlia Murder is going to be hitting Irving Plaza, New York City, Sunday, April the 16th. Um, shout out to them. Yeah, rest in peace to Trevor, and we wish those guys the best going forward. Uh, it would be nice to, to to get some of them on the horn eventually, man, and do that interview. Um, well, this is interesting. Uh, Friday, April the 21st, Black Flag is playing War in its entirety at the St. Vitus Bar. You a Black Flag guy at all? Uh, I mean, growing up uh out here yeah i mean i had some like punk and hardcore in, in me when i was younger um so yeah but i mean i don't regularly listen anymore but i mean that's pretty nuts vitus is gonna be yeah nasty it's gonna stink in there v- that's gonna be that a day. banana show i don't think i'm taking anything away from anyone to say that it's not necessarily my neck of the woods in terms of music you know what i mean but like it's like a legacy that i have to respect i'm an ant next to that so like i can't you know what am i gonna say (laughs) um fair you know fair fair game um this is a little bit more my speed um i would like to maybe take the yoga lady from work to uh saturday april the 22nd skinny puppy at irving plaza new york city where your doc martins to that one um, that's, yeah, that's going to be a creepy one, man. What about skinny pup? We're going to, we're going to kind of like weird areas of metal with this one. What about that? You ever get, we, 
We are. And yeah, I actually, uh, one of our buddy, I think my intro to them was one of our buddies that Tom and I hang out with. Um, our buddy Ray, I think he introduced me to skinny puppy back in the day. I think what you just noted, taking the yoga lady there, it's a good bet. And yeah, strap up the docks extra tight. Uh, you're going to have a good time. Yeah. Wow. I have, I, <laughs> I just, I just whipped out my tape copy of last rights. Oh, there you yeah, go. I got, okay. I got that the Huntington thrift on one ten many years ago, man. Believe it or not. Wow. I, I, that's I wild. I don't know who owned that man, but, um, yeah, that's 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 gonna be the game I kick right there, man. That tape, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pushing forward. Um, this is also kind of cool '90s related, but in a different way. Fishbone is gonna be at Gramercy Theater in New York City, uh, Sunday the April April the twenty third. They're making a comeback. Um, uh, shout out to their management. You could always email me back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Gorilla Biscuits. This is a this is an interesting month for the hardcore guys, huh? Friday, April the twenty eighth. Gorilla Biscuits at the White Eagle Hall in Jersey, of course, in Jersey City, New Jersey, dude. I love that the Gorilla Biscuits are playing like a hall, like a proper hardcore, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like hall. So like they're, you know, they could probably sell out some like huge venue in New York City if they wanted to, but they're like, yeah, let's play a hall, you know. This is like I'm I'm wondering, especially like the layout of the because I'm also on New York metal, uh, New York City metal scene right now, like the site. And I'm like, what year am I looking at? Like, did I scroll too far? Because I'm looking at, <laughs> at Fishbone and then Gorilla Biscuits. You said the comeback, fish because Fishbone, I didn't know like that they were still making music. They, they, I, they have a presence. Yeah. I, okay. A few months ago, I did research it a little bit, man. And as I said, they uh, they have an invitation to the show if their management or their representatives uh, heavy whole podcast at gmail.com. Um, Love that. Uh, speaking of hardcore, yeah, speaking of the 90s, speaking of New York set metal scene scrolling too far on New York City metal scene until you hit the 90s, you just, you were just up all night on meth scrolling. Your thumb is ready to fall <laughs> off. Uh, you got the, um, and speaking of hardcore, Saturday, April 29th, 2023, Tompkins Square Park in New York City. That sounds fun. Um, Madball, Murphy's Law, Crown of Thorns, Vulture Raid, Vespid, The Capturers, Proceeds Benefit, Ray's Candy Store in Tompkins Square Park, New York City. I'm sorry. So I guess that's uh, Proceeds Benefit, Ray's Candy Store in Tompkins Square Park, New York City. The show is the Black and Blue Productions present. So that, that actually is a little unclear. Look that up. I'm sure you can find it on social media. April the 29th, also Moonspell. Eileen, Oceans of Slumber, After Us, uh, at 23 Meadow Street, Brooklyn, New York. Um, Black Dahlia Murder is going to be in Boston on uh, April the 30th at Paradise Rock Club. Uh, May the 21st in Baltimore, Maryland. You got Obituary, Immolation, Blood Incantation, and Ingrown. That's a fun tour. Uh, uh, all bangers there for the most part. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I personally got to still peep in Ingrown. You know them? Uh, I, that's actually ingrown. I'm unaware of, but obviously all the others, um, uh, trying to think if I've, yeah, I've seen, I've seen all the others. Um, yeah, I don't know. Ingrown. Is it, are, do they fit in that mix really well? Is it like, I, well, I, I got, um, I got to look them up. I think they're a newer band, man. I'm, I, oh, yeah. okay. I'm up front yeah, with got, the listeners. I don't, I can't listen to every single band right. in the scene. You know what I mean? Like Trevor was good for that. To be honest, Trevor did know like the majority of shit that came out. Um, it, it wasn't act. He knew it. The last show, yeah, sure. uh, NYC metal scene, um, dot com. Uh, big shout to Matt from NYC metal scene.com. This is where we're getting all this information and there's even more shows. I skipped over a few. I'm kind of just giving you the highlights and it goes on and on like for months forward too. So you can check out all the shows. 
Um, he lists from up and down the coast now. It's not even in New York City. But if you're planning a trip, I've gotten emails and messages behind the scenes for the podcast. You know, listeners saying they're planning a trip to New York City. Where's a good place to go to a show? I always refer them to NYCMetalScene.com. Matt keeps it updated, and it always has the underground cult stuff that you want to know if you're if you're listening to this. So the last one I'm going to get into because I can't read all of May. We, we'll, we'll be here all night. But this is a cool one I want to hit. Um, Massacre and Mortiscold and Druid Lord at St. Vitus in Brooklyn, New York. That is a really cool, um, uh, it's like a trio of, of, uh, respectfully gray beard death metal. That's the genre we are with that one. Florida. Yeah, what day is, which day is that again? That's two, and it's on a Tuesday. Tuesday, May the 2nd, Massacre, Mortiscold, and Druid Lord at St. Vitus in Brooklyn. That's yeah, our, I feel, let's, a, what's your familiarity with those bands? Uh, Mortis Gold. I mean, like, I feel like as a, as a, a young and, um, you, you hear of growing up. Um, so, but you know, if you were to ask me about like, uh, different albums, I can't tell you anything there. Um, uh, but, um, a massacre. Yeah. Yeah. Familiar. Druid Lord's definitely the one that I'm less familiar with of the three. When were they all, did they all really have a similar, like, come up? from a time perspective or are they mm. is that a complete mixed bag across those three well mortiscold and massacre definitely both date like mortiscold uh formed in milwaukee wisconsin in 1990 and has been active more or less for 25 years um that you know that's that it's it's a death death metal listeners death metal band a band that maybe has not gotten the respect i think it deserves we interviewed dave greger who is the guitarist and vocalist that has been on every single album and in every lineup, kind of the driving force behind the band. He was a really interesting guy to interview. Um, uh, that was a few years ago, but people can check out our interview with Dave Greger of Mortiscold. It's personally one of my personal favorite interviews I've ever conducted. I got to say he was a really interesting guy and I'm going to go to that show um, and hopefully uh, uh, shake his hand in real life, man. Um, I And I enjoy Mortiscold because if you listen to the interview I did with him, we break it down. Their first album and their second album and their third album have kind of different sounds and even tunings and writing styles for specific reasons. You know, they deal with lineup changes and things that were going on in metal at the time. But um, he gave a really cool interview, man. So I'm and, and Mortiscold is back. They have a more recent album that um, we were talking about when, when I interviewed him. So great band. And, um, with a long history to check out, massacre a little bit more of a controversial history. Um, yeah, I I believe I'm not gonna you know let's just say I I'm not sure which incarnation of massacre this is. Um, I know there's one with Terry Butler, uh, and and I, then I know there's another one with. Um, Cam Lee, the infamous vocalist Cam Lee, who I do respect and who I would love to get his side of a lot of things and his perspective on this show. He has a, a, a an open door to this podcast if he ever wants it. And I have he, I have attempted to contact him and his people if they want to reach out to us. Please do so. Heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to have Cam on the show. Um, but I'm not sure which incarnation of Masker that's going to be. But I still am looking forward to seeing Masker Mortiscold. Um, and, uh, uh, Druid Lord, another band that's Druid Lord is not necessarily like a OG band that's been around forever. 
but it is a band uh from what i understand made up of more old school guys from that florida scene man so um that's gonna be a cool show may 2nd man um beyond that i just have a few things to shout out real quick uh that my own bands are doing man we got a bunch of shows coming up just check out exsanguinated on social media uh exsanguinated just booked like i don't know like 10 shows i like like we're going nuts here through april uh through the end of april we booked a ton of shows through the um uh you might hear about we actually just talked about one and i didn't tell you that i'm on it because i'm not sure we're allowed to announce it yet so that's fun for the listeners if they want to but follow exsanguinated uh and reeking aura um on social media we have a lot of shows we're announcing right now um and also afterbirth still in the studio we're between I, I haven't done the vocals yet but a lot of the music is done we're going to the studio over easter weekend appropriately enough uh, to record some of the, the, the rest of this Afterbirth album. That's going to be out for people, hopefully. Uh, um, it's, well, it's going to be on the conveyor belt for Willowtip Records um, when they feel the time is right to unveil it to the world. Um, so that that's all I'll say, man, because we, we've talked about uh, enough of that stuff. And if people want more talk, they can always go to our Heavy Hole podcast uh, Patreon. Um, we're, we're updating it. Uh, it's, a all, all size fits one, um, uh, one size fits all $5 a month charge for some extra content outtakes of us being mean, talking about our friends and bandmates, uh, clips from interviews, bonus episodes about topics that I nerd out on with death, all sorts of things go on on the Patreon. Um, and, uh, you can follow us on social medias. If you want to leave a voicemail, we're a little backed up on the voicemail right now. We had a production issue, but we're going to get those episodes. Uh, we're going to get new episodes with voicemails complete for you, um, in the next few weeks. Very excited about some bookings. Uh, I'm not going to spill any beans right now, but I've booked a few really cool bands coming up, uh, old school bands that have great stories to tell and uh, a couple of new school acts I'm excited to share with you guys. Um, so keep listening, man. And, um, uh, heavy hole podcast at gmail.com. If you're too bashful to leave a voicemail, uh, if you have questions, comments, something you'd like us to address, we'll read it on the, on the program. And me and one of my co-hosts from my illustrious team will talk about it. Ian, uh, thank you for sitting there. Why I just gab on and on and on, dude. Um, how are you doing, man? Any final thoughts as we close out? You're a busy man. I mean, after listening to that list and starting being like, "Oh, well, it's hard. It's tough for kids to make time for anything in life." And now I, feel, you know, I feel like an idiot now because um, because here you are making time to talk to the good folks about metal, uh, and day in day out, you're booking five million shows. So uh, I'm I'm excited for some of those. Uh, definitely, definitely looking forward to to seeing you on the stage soon. So. Hey, hey, man, if it wasn't, uh, I appreciate it, man. If it wasn't this podcast, I'd be talking exactly like this, but like to a stuffed animal or something that I made right. that, I, that I made out of hair or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Thank God I have other people that like death metal in my life. Um, thank you to all the listeners, man. Um, and uh, uh, also, of course, um, to you, Ian, uh, again, welcome to the team, man. We appreciate all your input and your recommendation. Um, thank you to Tom and Justin, always working diligently every week behind the scene and the rest of our uh, Heavy Hole podcast um, co-host team every last one.